Welcome back to a new episode of Inside Marketing Design. I'm Charlie, I'm the Marketing Design Lead at ConvertKit, and I started this series to get on calls with my fellow marketing designers in the tech industry and talk about how they do their work and what they love about their jobs. This week, we're taking a look inside marketing design at Doist. Doist is a company that makes productivity apps. They make Todoist, which is an app to keep track of your tasks, projects, goals, and also Twist, which is a team communication tool. They are a fully remote company with about 75-ish employees all over the world. And I got the chance to chat today to their two marketing designers, Steven and Anais. Both of these designers actually started at Doist around the same time in January this year, 2020. Steven has a background doing freelance work for nonprofits. He's also worked before at a marketing agency on an in-house design team there before shifting over and working in-house in a tech company. Anais has worked in an agency before as well in a design studio. She's also done corporate in-house work as well as marketing design at other tech companies too. So both of these designers bring quite a range of experience to their roles. And in this conversation, it was really interesting to talk about the differences they've found between working in-house at a tech company versus being in a more agency situation. We also touched on the fact that because Doist has these two different apps with two different brands, and then there's also the brand of Doist, the company company itself, um, what that's like for them as an in-house marketing design team and uh, how that variation in their work goes. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode and take a look inside marketing design at Doist. Welcome to Inside Marketing Design, Stephen and Anais. I'm so excited to have you here. Our first episode with a dual representation from a design team. This is going to be great. Let's start off by talking a little bit about Doist. Tell me a little bit about the marketing team there and, and how it's structured. Or actually, you know what? I should phrase that as the marketing design team because I don't actually know where your team fits within the company. <laughs> well, you're actually seeing the whole marketing design team right here. <laughs> There we go. Okay, we have the whole marketing design team of Doist on the show. Amazing. <laughs> Isn't it? Um, yeah, we, it's Stephen and I, the two marketing designers. And then um, we have a bigger design team uh, of about eight people with three product designers, two illustrators, and our head of design. And do you sit like, so marketing design is part of the design team rather than the marketing team? I would say we definitely fit in between. Uh, I, I wrote like we split our allegiance because <laughs> in in a lot of ways we uh, do more work with like the marketing team and interact and like brainstorm communicate daily with folks on the marketing team but uh, in terms of like our manager and our team meetings that we do and how we like share the progress of work we're doing we are officially on the design team. That makes sense. Yeah. Isn't it interesting how when you're remote, those lines do get blurrier, I think. Um, I'm thinking back to my first job as on the marketing design team in, in tech was at zero and we were in a physical office and the marketing design team sat literally alongside the marketing team and the product design team was on a whole different floor from us. Um, but obviously when you're remote, you know, things are a lot blurrier and you can more easily split your allegiance, like you said. Do you tend to... Uh, like collaborate much with the wider design team? You mentioned illustrators being on the rest of the design team. I can assume you'd need illustration work as part of the you know, marketing materials as well. Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, so illustration is, is really important to our marketing design and our brand in general. I'd say it's like 
probably the most important uh, aspect visually of like w- what creates our emotional appeal through our brand. Mm-hmm. Um, but the illustrators, yeah, they kind of function as a independent team and uh, we like coordinate the work that we're doing with them. And, but we also have like the illustrations of going into the product. So they also kind of split their, their time between us and, and also the blog that we have as a company. The <laughs> yes, they are very is. busy all the time. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, but no doubt. it's all, yeah, it's all like a lot of communication. And when we're working on something, we will, you know, ask feedback from the product designers and they ask feedback from us on the stuff they're working on. Um, yeah, and so. we, Actually, right now we're working a lot on defining some certain aspects of our brands and we seek a lot of feedback from the team that way. We always kind of include the whole design team, even if the product team doesn't always care as much uh, what uh, what colors we use on the website because it isn't always relevant to their Todoist app or Twist app. So So it sounds like you two operate, you know, sort of like a team within a team then. Um, (laughs) Where does the work come from for you? Who, who, sets, who sets your responsibilities and your work? That really depends on the project. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and in general at Doist, we have a very flat organization. So again, it always depends on the projects and the needs. We have a do system. Uh, we call it uh, Doist Objective, which is pretty much any project that uh, will benefit the products or the company. And those can be generated by pretty much anyone. Uh, if you have an idea you want to contribute to the company or if you want have a project you need to do for your team, you'll propose a, a do project. Then you'll work on proposals. So if that person could be myself if it was a project I wanted to work on or it could be the head of marketing or it could be uh, someone working with a translator who feels like they need uh, more pages translated on the blog or something like that and they'll create a, a, we call it a do proposal, but it's essentially a brief. And then we'll share that with it, the whole team. So that's kind of how our projects get started. And for us as designer, I would say often it comes from the marketing team. Most of our projects are for them, but we also have other projects like I'm working on um, and a new contact form for the help center for Todoist. And so that came from the support team and they put together the proposal and ask for input from our team, of course, while putting together the document. But then, um, yeah, they're leading the project and I'm part of their team to make it happen. It all sounds really collaborative and like, you know, ideas can come from any level and everyone's free to, you know, suggest things to work on, which I really like the sound of. Yeah. So both of you have um, agency experience. We were just discussing this um, before the call. Do you kind of feel sometimes like you operate as an internal agency at Doist because you've got these two different apps, right, that you're marketing with your designs? Um, what's that like? How does that work? In my experience, it is a completely different experience from working in an agency. Okay. Uh, the, yeah, I don't know if this is for everyone, but from my background, like the thing I didn't like about the agency style is that you the way the uh, structure works is that you're working for someone. You're not like working on the same uh, project. You don't have like the same um, investment in it. And something that's really wonderful at Doist is like, we all are really invested in these two things. So the like commitment and uh, energy that is being put out is the same. And there's an understanding that like everything that we're doing is benefits all of us 
and the products. That's so true. <laughs> it feels like we're all on the same team because we literally are and we have exactly the same objectives. I mean, as a, an agency, you technically have the, obje have the objectives of your clients, but sometimes some things are lost in translation. And it's interesting because often as an agency, you're hired as the expert, uh, the brand expert, or um, and you would think the client would kind of view you that way. But in my experience, often we kind of have to work with the client in convincing them that we actually know what we're talking about and this is the right solution. And it's funny, but we don't nearly have as much convincing to do within our team because they trust us right away and we all consider each other as the experts in their field and we can contribute ideas and they're considered <laughs> on equal level. And um, that actually has been a big difference for me from the agency side. Yeah, I mean, you just have this level of ownership, right, that you could never have at an agency when it's that yeah. client designer relationship. What about Anis, um, your comparison to your other experience in tech where you're working perhaps on just one brand? Because um, a critique a lot of people often have about in-house design, I hear it all the time, is don't you get bored, you know, working <laughs> on the, the same colors, the same fonts all, yeah. all the time? Um, have you found that having these two, two different brands, two different apps has helped ease that for you? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I didn't really get bored in my last job either, though. Um, even yeah, though same. we had only, <laughs> yeah, we had only one product, but you know, we did like some specific marketing campaigns, and those would have their own branding and their own feel, and then their own story that we you could get to craft, and that was not that boring. And um, and with Todoist, yeah, it's actually I we're just talking about this, but it's more like three brands because we have Todoist, Twist, and Doist as the company. So it's very interesting to think about how they all work together, but they all have their own unique identities. And um, so far, I'm not bored at all. <laughs> That's been interesting about um, doing the series, talking to lots of in-house marketing designers, and no one has ever mentioned being bored as like a challenge that they face. So I think it's just things that, <laughs> you know, people who aren't yet in-house designers worry about, but it might be a little unfounded. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think maybe the only thing would be that you don't get as often a, a sense of starting from completely from scratch. That's so true. It's good, but also a little bit stressful um, because you don't know where you're going. Um, but it's also really fun to a challenge as a designer so that you just don't get as many opportunities like that one. But you also get way more opportunities to refine something to the perfection, which is something in agency you're working on the brand and you hand it off to the client and then they do whatever they want with it and then you just hope that things stay, <laughs> stay okay so yeah yeah i definitely think it's a type like a personality type or like a type of working that you like to do i remember in the interview when i was interviewing for the position like i talked about that with anna our head of design because she was saying like that's something that you're going to be doing is you're only going to be working on these like mm. specific things and is that a problem and i was like no i really like that because like yeah in the agency i experienced that where like you get such you tend to get such a very service level investment i guess in the projects you're working on because they're all budgeted and <laughs> the timelines are usually pretty tight so when i in my experience like the thing that i enjoyed the most about my agency work was working on the brand of the agency because i got to like have that uh deep like investment in it and be very specific Anais and I are both very like detail <laughs> people and have like having systems and so I got to like invest the time in that um, so I am actually loving like the the limited uh, nature of 
the work we're doing. Yeah, it's like they say, right? Constraints breed creativity. And Mm -hmm. I think in-house design is definitely an example of that. (laughs) For sure. Um, Tell me about your responsibilities as marketing designers at Doist. Like, what are you responsible for? So, yeah, like Anais was saying before, with the do cycle, it it, uh, is very dependent on the project. So typically, though, I would say our responsibilities would be like the landing pages for our our products, our Mm -hmm. marketing websites, the help center. Um, There's uh, like the emails that we send out, the marketing emails, uh, any videos uh, or animation, like that type of thing on social media that we put out. Mm -hmm. Um, Our brands in general, (laughs) defining the brand. brand. Yeah, it's interesting because we came we came in after they already had a product, uh, marketing designer, so we we inherited a brand, but right. we also have to evolve it as the company itself is evolving. And so it's it's um, yeah, it's its own project, and it's funny because we don't consider it its own do the way any other project is considered, and we kind of do this on the side as we're working on other projects, and we realize that we need to define certain aspects of the brand in order to continue with our projects. Yeah, that's something that we're working on right now. So with the three brands, like right before we started, they the company just launched a, a sort of redesign, rebrand of the Todoist app. But it wasn't, um, and the goal was to have all the Twist and Doist as well, like on that same uh, visual language. But it, it hadn't gotten to that point. So we're working now on figuring out how that is all going to work together, um, like the way that the the colors work between brands and, and tying them all together. Yeah, we're putting a lot of energy into that at the moment and, <laughs> and like documenting it in a way that is understandable for other people at the company. And, um, that sounds yeah, like a big job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's really fun good, <laughs> and we're making good. progress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's a good way for Stephen and I to align ourselves on what the brand is and kind of be on the same page on every aspect of the brand. It's, it's interesting because it was previously just one marketing designer. And so they didn't really have to be as specific about documentation or things like that because they would just make their own decisions on and remember, you know, details about how how do you, you treat a certain aspect of the website or something like that. And for, for us, I have uh, Stephen has been doing a lot of the the website pages. And so when I get in there, I'm like, Stephen, can you tell me what decisions you have been making in this area so I can make sure to continue that? and. Yeah, it's interesting to work that way. Oh man, okay, that's making, because I'm the solo marketing designer right now at ConvertKit and that's making me realize that I should probably be documenting a lot more (laughs) (laughs) so that, you know, to help out our future selves if we bring someone else on the team. (laughs) Yep, good note. I mean, even (laughs) even stuff like, like, oh, typically, you know, we do use like this number, this many pixels, like between the last section on the page and the footer. Like, if I don't write that down somewhere, like I'm just expecting that NAS will realize that that's what I'm doing like by looking at my previous work and um, that's not really fair to her. And at least the footer is the same on every page, but like for, for other element, I, I kind of have to go back and dig through his files so that I can find that out. <laughs> so we've been documenting it, so I don't have to do that anymore. Nice. How do you split the work between you two? Like who decides who works on, on what project? It's, yeah, like back to the do system. So mm-hmm. each month we have like a do coordinator, which is I guess maybe the equivalent of like a, a project manager mm-hmm. uh, at another company, and they work with our team heads to identify what what are the projects that we're going to be working on each month, and just the availability of people um, to join a team. And it has a lot to do with like what you worked on the last month because maybe you like have been giving input 
to the scoping of that project. So it makes sense that you you're familiar with the details of it right. that you would work on it. Um, but we, they also ask us what we want to do and, and have some. Yeah, uh, if you're passionate to, about something, you can say it and you'll probably get to work on it. Let's talk through a project at Doist. So you've got a project that you're working on. Um, how, how does it start? How does a project start? All right, let's go back to the DOO system. <laughs> <laughs> this is really an interview about the DOO system. I know, <laughs> but it, it is like, uh, it's a very strong system that really defines how we work at DOO in general. And mm-hmm. I, it's been working really well for me um, in general. But yeah, so once you have your DOO proposal, uh, your brief document, uh, that that document will include what the team should be in terms of what team, what type of team members we need. Do we need a developer? Do we need a designer? Do we need the copywriter? And then once you've defined that, that will be worked out with the heads who can work on this, which designer we can put on this project. And then once you've been assigned to a do, uh, you're part of that squad, uh, as we call it. And then usually the person who created the, the do proposal is going to be the squad leader mm-hmm. and be in charge of project managing pretty much the, the whole project uh, and, and be somewhat responsible for the success of the, of the do. If we can, we do a video chat kickoff. Um, but the video chat is really just intended to kind of get the team chatting with each other, get in sync, but any vital information will be in the documents mm-hmm. or uh, discussed in Twist so that there is a, a way for anybody to access that information. And then if your time zone is too crazy and you can make the meeting, then you can always go go back and look at that information somewhere else. So yeah, we'll, we'll start the to do that way. And then again, depending on the project, we kind of organize the timeline, however the team see fit. And each team member or squad member will define what they're going to work on first. Mm-hmm. And we actually uh, share our progress every week. And we say, last week I worked on this and next week I'm planning to work on that. And we continue to evolve things that way. Nice. And Stephen, how about you take us through some of the, like your design process, like what tools do you use as part of that? Do you both use the same tools? Maybe I should be asking both of you this question. I don't know. <laughs> yes, this is Yay, a... Steven, you can answer that one. Yeah. <laughs> God. So this is something that we are uh, working on right okay. now. Um, so our product teams use Sketch. Uh, and I, well, the marketing team is using Figma right now for our design mockups. Um, it's proving to not be the best system having... The, the separate workflows like that, because in a lot of ways, our, our work is linked, especially from the marketing side, like needing mockups of the product and mm. uh, having them not in the same tool is it's not a terrible experience, but it's certainly not a streamlined one. So we are actively uh, working on figuring out how to move forward as a full team. The reason we really like uh, have liked Figma for the marketing uh, stuff is the collaboration features both for being nice we really like to like pair design and, and work on problems together when, when possible but also we've like built a workflow using some of its features to allow the copywriters um, to work directly in the file when they're Ooh. writing and this has mm-hmm. proven to be really helpful for us as a team just to because i think there's always this um struggle of like it's you can't design until you have the words but it, it's the word or the wording like can benefit from having some design constraints. Yeah. It's like uh, a chicken so or like egg a... situation, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. Much so. so what we've done, uh, and this has been, uh, we've tested it a few times just between like one designer and one copywriter is uh, we work on during the first 
cycle, the first month of the due, um, like a general structure for the page that we're working on or the website, what the information is that we're trying to communicate, what the goals are, but no like specific words, like there will be a heading here, there will be a subheading here. Then uh, the designer will like take that rough outline and uh, start designing, just like taking ideas. Like, okay, so we're definitely gonna need a section here about this information. Uh, just kind of some loose mock-ups. Either I will like try my hand at doing the copywriting or like just write some funny notes to leave for the copywriter. And then once I get maybe the first week, I'll spend just exploring ideas. And then uh, the copywriter will come in to Figma and start working directly in the file there. And we just use the comments to like, hey, I need uh, an extra line here. Like uh, I need this text object to be smaller. And yeah, it's a very collaborative and fluid process. I love that. A final project. This is something that I've it's just awesome. like I've only done on one project so far with the copywriter that I work with, and it's it was just like why have I not thought to do this before? <laughs> you know, like yeah. I think it was that I switched from Sketch to Figma, but I didn't really change up my design process a whole lot in moving across tools. It just meant that I could access things that everyone else was accessing. And I just mm -hmm. never thought about the fact that now it's easy for non-designers to get in there and edit the file as well. So yeah, love hearing that that's working for you and that gives me the confidence that I need to like keep keep working on that with my copywriter for sure. How does feedback loops work throughout a project for you? Um, it sounds like you and NA Stephen are sharing pretty regularly, you know, what each other's doing. Do you have stages within a project where you like formally present work, I suppose, for feedback or, or anything like that? Not usually. Another like thing that we do is this concept of like a directly responsible duister. Uh, DRD and <laughs> what that what that kind of means or the idea behind that is like like Anais was saying before we trust each other to be the expert of what we're working on mm. and it's ultimately the the DRDs uh, like uh, final say so you know it's up to you to who you want feedback from it's up to you to how you take that feedback um, for the most part like for instance, I'm working on our the uh, redesign of the Duist website, and like we wanted to get specific feedback from our like CXO folks to just make sure like we're on the right track. But um, you know, we're not the type of company where like the CEO what he says goes right like, that type of environment. Yeah. So, so does that mean that um, is the DRD the same person as the the do? <laughs> so what was the word you used? <laughs> The squad leader? <laughs> the squad leader, yeah, that one. Is the squad leader and the DRD the same or not always? My understanding of it is like directly responsible doer is like just your piece of the mm, do. Okay. You're responsible sense. for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the squad leader is, is sort of just like the keeping everyone on track towards the timeline and the goals and mm. um, organizing com yeah. communication. Yeah, it's very unique at Duis. Everybody is super self-reliant and responsible for their own side of things it, it's really a pleasure to work with that, uh, people like that because you they, they're not second guessing your decisions and then when they contribute a question or a suggestion it's always very thoughtful and actually helpful towards making your design better it's uh, for me I like I'm, I'm very collaborative designer I even at, at the agency I would tend to share my work with other designers more than <laughs> other designers would but yeah I, I, I tend to, to share with the design team in general say, hey, this is what I came up with here. Like, feel free to look at it, give comment whenever. And then with the squad, I also will share uh, on a regular basis to make sure that everybody knows what the progress is on the design side. 
and it works for me. And then with Stephen, I just kind of share even more often. So it sounds like everything, everything's pretty asynchronous, obviously at Doist. Yeah. So there's not like a weekly design crit or something where, you know, you're like, this is what I'm working on to the design team. <laughs> no, but we are trying to uh, implement something like that. With the uh, design review, we, we wanted to do something. It was more informative to kind of share where, what everything everybody's doing and less mm. to receive feedback. But we were right. trying to do something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, so the, w the way we do things now is uh, because our time zones are so disparate. Like we have one of our illustrators, Yin, uh, is in Taiwan, and Anais is in Denver. So, like, there's no overlap whatsoever. So we can't really do like full team meetings um, unless Yin wants to stay up really late. Right. <laughs> so, uh, what we do each Monday is we each like ri uh, write down sort of what we worked on last week, what we're going to be working on this week, anything that's blocking us. Um, and we do do some synchronous meetings on Monday as well, but it's split up. So it's me and Anais and it's like the Western hemisphere people mm -hmm. and the Eastern hemisphere. Um, but we record those meetings so we can like listen in on what is happening. Yeah. Um, I love that. But yeah, but there's no, like everyone get together and, and talk about the work. What about, um, when a project's over, how do you measure the success of it at Doist? Well, you know, every project has different, uh, yeah. success metrics, but, uh, in, in, Doist is not really data driven, it's more data informed. So we take okay. that in consideration, but we don't make all our decisions that way. And uh, some of my projects, like I've redone, refreshed a lot of our e marketing emails. And so those are more specific uh, goals in terms of increasing click rate and uh, things like that. I'm still curious to see how, how, how much we're going to stick to those numbers, but the project's still going on, so it's kind of hard to tell. Uh, and then, but for something like the contact form that I'm working on with the help center right now, the, the main metric is going to be, well, if we get less contact tickets, uh, that people could have answered themselves by using the, the help center, then that would be a successful site. And I think also making sure we don't alienate our users, uh, through the process is important, but that's also harder to, me to measure. So we always listen to our users a lot and their feedback. And so I think that we'll get some of that that way. Yeah, it's very hard. Uh, I'm actually really curious to find out how other people do this from watching this series. But like, <laughs> it's it's very hard to track or like definitively say this is the effect of design on the success of something, uh, because it's very subjective. And there's so many other factors. Like, for instance, you know, Twist is our team communication tool. And it's really focused on remote work and asynchronous communication. But like, in addition to launching a new web page that I, we, we were working on, like the coronavirus happened and lots of companies immediately started going remote. So it's like, how do we say what, what was the cause of what? Um, yeah, yeah. No, that makes total <laughs> sense. Do you do any sort of like A-B testing, like testing different designs against each other? Uh, any of that sort of thing yet? Mm, I, we have not done as much of that. I, I would like to do more actually, but... Um, but sometimes you have to plan ahead for for being able to do some A-B testing and um, some of the projects we've done, we just haven't been able to do so. But in the future, I would like to think more about that. Yeah. It sounds to me like Doist has a really strong focus on being like a brand-driven company, right? Like mm -hmm. just in terms of even the investment of like, having two illustrators on the team of, of 75, that's an investment that a lot of tech companies haven't made, you know? Um, yes, that was such a big deal when uh, when I applied for the job yeah. because of that, actually. 
Yeah, so Same. that makes yeah. sense and probably is why the data is less of a focus because a brand is, you know, nearly impossible to measure in terms of numbers. Right. And you only really know that it's working as a, as a whole, essentially. Mm -hmm. What about your performance as designers? Now, since you've only been here six months, I don't know if like maybe you haven't had a performance review or something like that, but how do you know if you're doing a good job? Do you have regular meetings with your manager? Like, yeah. Where does that come from? Yeah, we do have uh, one-on-ones with our head of design on a monthly basis. Yeah, when we when you start at Doist, um, you have a three-month trial period, and you have a one-on-one -on -one with a mentor on a weekly basis, so you can kind of get a better sense of what's going on, or, and also you can get a little bit of that feedback early on. But uh, after that, yeah, um, it's usually more about like the the head asking me. What can I do for you? What questions mm -hmm. do you have? What do you need to move forward? And it's much less about like, I'm going to tell you how you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is also a, a relationship that I think is kind of unique at most companies and uh, is very valuable. And I really like to work that way. I don't need as much feedback on a regular basis, but um, performance reviews have their use in, in more of a career building perspective. Right now, we don't really have a system in place for that, but actually our Duis is working on that right now and working on a, um, a career path system. Cool. And I think those will include something more like a performance review where you can kind of talk about your current role and what you want your future role to be and, and what you should be doing to achieve that. Great, so it sounds like the company is investing in you and like making sure that you're Careers are going where you want them to. What are some of the main challenges you face in your role? Maybe there was a lot at the start because it's always hard to start a new job, but um, how about now? What are the main challenges you're facing? I think the, the biggest challenge is communication. Mm -hmm. uh, just like the because of the remote environment and the time zones, it, you have to be very intentional and, and thoughtful about the way you're communicating. Um, and when not everyone like uh, recognizes that or like has time to focus on communication as a priority. It can strain the, the um, progress of a project because like, you know, I'm working on this, I need your feedback and you can't get back to me for three days because of the time zones and things like it can just really slow things down. We're all as a, as a company, I think, like working on better ways to communicate and, and document information and uh, just keep things organized. So that's definitely the, the biggest one for me as an individual as well, like working on how to communicate better. Like, for instance, yesterday I had my first ever like in-person video conversation with one of our illustrators. Like we've worked together on multiple projects and I've given him feedback and he's shared, you know, work with me. And uh, I've made a lot of requests for him from him, but we've never like had a personal interaction. Like wow. That. Um, so like that's that's not I think that's uh, understood that like that's okay and that there's nothing like wrong with that. But for me, I, I really like being able to have a sort of that personal connection it makes me feel better about the things I'm asking of you that mm. you know, I'm not like demanding stuff from you or we have a relationship as humans. And um, Yeah, it gives you, gives you a better sense of how they might react on the other side if you met them. <laughs> yeah, when it's all written, it's- Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to understand to... tone if you have never heard someone talk, you know, exactly. as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I would say also um, communication uh, although for me, I would say that I feel like communication is like a kind of a cliche challenge of a remote team. And I don't, I, I think we do a really good job with communication. It's just that communication is always a challenge, uh, no matter the setting. But uh, and for me, it's been where like I'm working on the project and I want to make sure that I get to a good 
ending point at the end of the day so I can share with the rest of my squad, especially on my current project, because the rest of the squad is either in Asia or in Europe. And so by the time I go to bed, they're going to wake up and they're going to start working on things. And if I didn't share anything, they might sit a whole day without doing anything on based on my designs because I didn't share it. And so I, I want to make sure that they have enough to work on while I'm asleep. <laughs> Another thing that is a, is a important or unique thing about how we do marketing design also is this concept of a, a design hero, hmm. um, which is a uh, role that we cycle through each month. One of the designers, product designers as well, um, is uh, doesn't work on a like feature do or a marketing do, but they're the design hero, which means that they sort of like fill in the gaps, like the little things that uh, ah. need to get done, whether it's like uh, little bug fixes and, and like UI tweaks or social media, the social media graphics, that kind of thing is, is something that the hero does. So that's my role at this month right now. And it's been challenging to like uh, balance sort of the like one-off little requests uh, that come in from the hero, the brand stuff, which uh, we're working on through the hero right now. And then also like you're kind of working a little bit on your previous due, uh, stuff that like didn't get finished or implementing, you know, in this case I did the design, but now the illustration is being worked on. So I need to like incorporate that and share that with the developer. Then I'm giving input on like my next due and the scoping for that. Um, so like balancing those uh, priorities is, I think, or for me at least, it's, it's a challenge that that sort yeah. of sounds like the design version of being, you know, like engineers being on call for a week for if the, the app goes down <laughs> on the weekend or something like that. It's like, you know, you have to fill in all the stuff that, I mean, let's be honest, no one really loves making social media images, but it's like a thing that has to get done. And so the hero is the one who, yeah, steps in and does it. I like that way of splitting it up. That's yeah, cool. I think Are that you? it might have been inspired by how the dev teams do it because they also have their own hero. Uh, but yeah, I, I like it. It's it's funny. You'd think that that would be the easier do that you have to do because it's just one offs. But Steven and I take things too seriously. And so <laughs> when I did my hero, <laughs> my design hero do, I ended up like rethinking the whole like uh, guidelines around how we do our social images and like really go in depth into like what are the styles that we use? What are the different typeface? How do we uh, what are the different colors and then that now that steven is the design hero he's taking that on to a deeper level and how should we consider the colors for doist versus the colors for to do this and twist and <laughs> so we ended up using that do as as a, a bigger like marketing design thinking i guess it's it's really important for the reason is that like it's those are brand applications that are being created by non-marketing designers. Mm. Um, also, like yeah. next month, it's not going to be one of us who's the hero. So we need to like establish those styles and document them in a way that is understandable for the other people that work on it. So they have the autonomy to to create those whatever it is uh, with confidence that like it's going to be consistent with um, like the standards that we put in place. Is there anything else that? Um... I don't know that like I never would have thought to ask about that because I've never heard of that happening before um, with the design team. Is there any other cool little things to do with design at Doist that you want to share? Well, something this is not like a formal thing, but uh, something that is allowed here, which I love, is that um, Anais and I both like write code and cool. like submit pull requests for our, <clears throat> the projects yeah. that we're working on. What's this, Steven? <laughs> <laughs> I understand somewhat of the code and I tweak it. <laughs> That's why. Nice. I, yeah. I love like writing code and, and using it as a design medium. 
but like feeling like you know my role is a as a designer so like I, that's not going to be my part i'm not going to have a say in that um but like one of our marketing developers reached out to me and was like it seems like you know what you're talking about like would you like to write code? like uh instead of like telling me that this should be one rem of spacing mm-hmm. would you like to just do it yourself and, and send that to me and i was like i would love that so that sort of like flexibility um is really amazing yeah because as a designer i'm sure you know uh when you've when the developers is built have built the website and you're like it's great but there's all these little things that were not exactly uh as in my mock-up and it looks okay but it would look so much better if you know the spacing was just a little bigger i know uh, for me i've always had like a sense of guilt asking them for all these little very nitpicky details and they have to go back and so i think that solution uh, where we can just go and do that ourselves is making it so much easier on them and uh, less less of a guilt trip for me. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, just a really good skill in general for designers to learn because it's kind of like learning the language that your design will be yeah. communicated in, you know? Uh, and if you can speak, even if you don't code yourself, even if you can speak the same language to the developer and be able to say one rem of space, you know, and know what that means, that's my, that's my hot take on the matter. <laughs> <laughs> Let's end by talking about your favorite parts of your job. I feel like we've touched on a lot in this episode of things you love about your job as marketing designers at Doist, but any one thing in particular else you want to call out before we end? So for me, design is is finding um, visual solutions to various communication problems or sometimes bigger business problems or user experience problems. And so I, I really like to, to think about what's the best solution. And often, um, Stephen touched on that a little bit, but on, in agencies, you don't have a lot of time to think about these things or uh, question the way we're doing things if there's a better way to do it. And so at Duis, we because everything is so open, communication is so transparent, and everybody's so collaborative. As a designer, you have a lot more leverage and a lot more opportunities to uh, share your opinions, share your ideas, propose something completely different that nobody had thought of, and that those ideas will actually be considered. Mm-hmm. And uh, if it's a good idea, we'll actually work on it and build it. Um, one example was uh, we have these getting started guides that we do on, a, on the help center. And I, I found that they were a little like difficult to go through and not really a great introduction to our, how our product works and, uh, and how simple it is. And I just wanted to think of a better solution. So I just went ahead and did some wireframe just to kind of explore that idea and then shared it with the team. And the team was like, oh yeah, we should definitely do something like that and think about it. And because I shared that, now we're thinking about that project differently and we're gonna make it more of a design exploration that we originally thought we would. So that that's maybe my favorite part. I love that. So the like the company gives you the autonomy to suggest yeah. ideas like that and to yeah, empowers you to to make them happen. Cool. Exactly. Steven, what about you? Uh the same. <laughs> but <laughs> so something that actually when we were like working on preparing for this interview, like NAS wrote like good design is a priority at the company. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I like that's definitely true that we're like a design led. Mm. I don't know if this is like a formal thing that we claim, but like it's definitely true in our practice yeah. that uh, both in the product and, and the marketing stuff that like we understand the value of design and how that affects our goals and the way people interact with what we're creating. Yeah, this is something that is a, such a difference between even working in other in-house um, environments where I, I feel like 
design team usually tend to clash with the marketing team because they mm -hmm. seem to have different objectives and the marketing is team just wants a big button because it's <laughs> going to be obvious and the design team wants a tiny button because it's so much more elegant and like I, we don't really have these conversations like as designers we understand that things need to be easy to see and easy to click and also accessible and all that stuff and so the marketing doesn't have to tell us to make things bigger <laughs> right like you so. can spend your energy on other problems like bigger more important yes. problems than like internally having these debates or having to be fight for your like practice to be valid i love that yeah cool exactly big battles like what design tool we use yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes. sketch us i will definitely be following up to see how that one ends because i'm very curious and i'm sure that our listeners will be as well <laughs> Thank you for being on the show, you two. I've really enjoyed hearing how things work um, and definitely picked up some things I think that I want to bring in and apply to my work as even though I am a solo design team. Um, do you want to tell the people where they can follow you online or, or you know, keep up with your work? Anything to pitch? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not really uh, good at that stuff. Try, try twist. Okay. That's all you want to pitch. <laughs> yeah. Great. I do, yes, I love that. That's okay. Perfect. How about I will then put links to some social media yeah. for you in the description. People can follow, check out your work oh, there. And, uh, yeah. Thank you for being yeah. on the show. Thank, thank you, you so much. Charlie, for having us. I hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation. This one was a really interesting one for me because it sounds like Doist really has this remote work thing nailed. You know, all of the asynchronous communication, the team structure and organization, the way they do things with their do objectives and their design hero. They've got a lot of systems in place, but the systems all sound like they really free the designers up to focus on the important things and get the work done. So a huge thank you to Stephen and Anais for sharing all that with us. And thank you to you as well for listening to this show. If you enjoyed the episode, I would really love if you would take the time to go on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. This show, as I say every week, is available in both video and audio format. Videos can be found on my YouTube channel, Charlie Marie TV, and the audio, the podcast, can be found in whatever podcasting app you use. Open it up, search for Inside Marketing Design, or head on over to insidemarketingdesign.co and you will find links to the major podcast players there. Thanks for being here, and I'll see you again next week for another look inside marketing design at a different tech company. <laughs>